Praise the Lord, everybody. It is good to be in the house of God today. Feel the presence of the Lord. Could we stand and begin this service just in prayer? We'll lift our hands and let's all just lift up our voice. You pray your prayer. You can pray like me or however you want, but just lift your voice and pray. Father, we call on your wonderful, your holy name, dear Jesus. And we ask, oh God, that you minister and move in each and every one of our lives. God, that you make an impact today on each individual, myself included, Lord. That your spirit, God, just has free work to move into the hearts and minds of everyone that comes here. God, I pray, Lord, that I don't leave the way I came. In Jesus' name, I pray that you anoint every music, every song, every singer, every usher, every hostess, every greeter, every technician, God, anyone involved. I pray, God, that you anoint to do that holy work with powerful anointing that destroys the yokes of bondage in this generation and time that we live. God, we need your spirit. We need your anointing. We need your power. Oh, Lord, we need your words, God, to flow into our life and give us direction to walk each and every day, to give us direction, God, to know which way to go. Lord, we need you. We are your people, and we come in here, and we just lift you up and exalt you and magnify you, Jesus, in Jesus' name. Amen. While your hands are up, just leave them up and worship the Lord with the praise team as they begin to bring us into the presence of God through praise and thanksgiving. Don't be 
feel his presence. It's about what he's done for us. It's about the fact that he didn't leave us in that grave. Amen. But he set us free. He filled us with his presence and his spirit. And now we are able to walk in the freedom and the power of the Holy Ghost. We're able to walk in that newness of life. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things are changed. Behold, all things are become new. Because he got out of that grave. somewhere, just set it on your desk. That's what I did. Just set it right there. And pass out a couple of them. Set it on your desk. Somebody's going to ask. And, and when they ask, you get to tell them. And, uh, and, and so just put that on your desk. You know, don't put it in front. Brother Parks, don't put it in front of the picture of Sister Parks. <laughs> but, you know, right there beside Right there beside you can give today. Also, you know, something we did discuss, we always do have the outside giving as well in the foyer when you first come in, or if you want to step out there and give, that's always available as well. All Nations Sunday, that is a day that we, as Life United Pentecostal Church, celebrate the amazing diversity that God has given us. And we are all about reaching a church that's from all over the world but all over the world oh, yeah. is right next door. And it's right here. We have so many cultures that attend our services on any given Sunday. And on All Nations Sunday, we've had as many as, I think, 39 cultures represented here on our All Nations Sunday. We will have a dynamic service. And after the service, we will go outside and eat a wonderful meal prepared by... Everyone. So what we want you to do before you leave today, very important announcement, before you leave today, grab one, two, three. I mean, you can grab as many as you want of those big pans and fill it up with a cultural dish by next week and bring it back on Sunday. And we'll have tables out there under tents lined up ready to receive that food. Whatever cultural dish you can bring. I'm just going to throw some things out there very quickly. Uh, I'm going to try to bring India. Uh, I know Sister Joy is going to try to bring what kind of food? Um, I do, I do, uh, 
chicken in Brunswick Steel. Oh, Brown Steel. Okay, yeah, I was going to say that's. Bringing us some Jamaican dishes. I'm looking forward to that. And uh, any, anybody else got something special? You're, you know, you've got. I know some are going to do Italian. Brother Steve will do something, something Asian inspired. I promise. Uh, I will make uh, some. I will make three different slow cooked Boston butts. One will be a more of a carnita Mexican flavor, one will be a Hawaiian flavor, and one will be good old Southern barbecue, Georgia barbecue. So uh, we'll, we'll have all those and many more, and, uh, and, and maybe Brother Parks will bring some Albany stew. <laughs> so we got brown stew and Brunswick stew. Hey, anyways, that's the main the main uh, announcements. We do 7:30. Okay, we have our normal service from 6:30 to 7:30 usually on Tuesday night. Uh, it usually goes over a day. I'll be honest, but this week we're going to stop at 7:15. So at 7:30, uh, all involved in all nations can come in here at 7:30, and we're going to have a 30-minute meeting to discuss. Uh, all Nations Sunday. So, very important meeting. We'd love to have you help. Come out, be here for that meeting, and we'll get you assigned somewhere. And uh, if you're not able to come to service, you can get off late. Still come to the meeting, 7.30 on Tuesday night. All right, give. It shall come back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Sister Janice, would you lead us in prayer? Sister Monica Mullins is going to come sing for us this morning. After she sings, her husband's going to come bring the word. Pastor Mullen, how many is looking forward to this morning?
Oh, hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise, hallelujah, for his death, burial, and resurrection. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. You may be seated as we prepare. Um, I have a couple of words before we go into the word and um, just to prepare us. And um, this morning, um, I want to go ahead and be mindful of the time because Pastor gave me a mic with two bars. No, <laughs> Pastor, making sure I keep it short this morning. But but y'all pray for me that I would keep it short because I wanna I wanna do it uh, um, do it the right way. And I know when we get a little bit too long, you know the saints begin to get weary and tired. But I want to give a message, a word that the Lord has given to me as I studied over the last two weeks and I came up probably with about three different things that that um, that I was looking at but the Lord narrowed it down into that final one um, which was probably the last one that I had wrote or started to write because I had many sermons the thing is they're just not complete but the Lord allows me as he allows me to complete things or gives me a time to to give them to the community, to the church, and minister to myself also, which is what pastor, Reverend Parks, Reverend Fowler, anybody who gets up here to minister the word, we're just not ministering to you, we're ministering to ourselves also. Because many of these, all of these things are profitable, hallelujah, for us to grow us, to stretch us um, um, to the nth degree of where we need to be at with the Lord, hallelujah. So as we start, give me a second, I apologize. I know outside today's high is going to be 73, which is a big change from when I was in Texas. And one day the heat index this past summer was like um, uh, a lot, was like the heat index I think was 118 when I was in Texas back in May. And um, it was the first time in the States that I had stepped off a plane and um, or stepped out the airport, and I was like, wow, this feels like Iraq. Yeah. <laughs> there's no place higher. I was like, I don't know how people here be passing out and ugly, you know, we just need to, we just need to take care of ourselves. Yeah, because I was like, if people ain't dying in Iraq when it's 100 degrees outside, we need to drink water. <laughs> but, um, but praise the Lord, tonight, as we talk about the change of the climate and the weather, this is a second part of a message that I had ministered many months ago, back in June, June 4th. And this is around the time I was coming back. And the first part of the title was the same, but the second part is a little different. But this morning, we're going to be talking, we're doing Be Not Deceived, Part Dose. Be Not Deceived, Part Dose. And with that, I add to this, climate change is already here. Climate change is already here. As we read, watch, or listen, ooh, I do apologize. As this is Pastor Appreciation Month, I want to give honor, I know Pastor not watching right now, I want to give honor to my pastor and my first lady who have allowed me and given me the honor of being a minister from this platform. And um, I definitely do not take it lightly. And, um, and just pray for us as men and women of God and ministers as we pray for you that we would continue to shore up pastor and this local ministry that he has, which is a small part of the greater kingdom. 
So we have to remember that. We have to be kingdom-minded. Therefore, we need to be good sheep and not goats. So therefore, keep that in mind this month as we think about Pastor and the First Lady and pray for them in Pastor Appreciation Month. Just my commercial note for us. As we read, watch, or listen to news daily, we are constantly reminded of the existential threat of disastrous environmental, economic, social, political, and religious climate change patterns. These, many of these communities have self-proclaimed, elected, or selected champions, and many warriors for their cause of stopping these things that they call climate change. So in the news lately, you know, it was always just talking about the weather, which as we talked a couple of weeks ago or months ago, last time I ministered, you know, everybody was scared of what? Nuclear disaster. Then after the wall fell, what they were scared of? They were scared of climate cooling. Now we're running from climate warming. We got Elon Musk, who is, has a rocket ship company, that he says that we need to be a multi-planetary um, um, species um, so we can run to Mars like it's any better there, <laughs> when things start falling apart here. But I want to bring something to us as we prepare. Now, I'm going to be reading for a while, so I'm not going to ask you to stand, but I'm going to go ahead and do this reading and, and ask Reverend Parks to pray for this. Um, if you could, go with me to Genesis 8. Genesis chapter 8, and we're going to verses 21 through 22. So Genesis 8. Chapter, chapter 8, verses 21 through 22. And when you get there, say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right, hallelujah. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor. And this is when the, uh, y'all don't have to stand, I'm be reading for a while. I'm going to be reading for a minute. So y'all can, can be seated. I'll be reading for a minute. So you can be seated. I, when I'm sitting at home reading my word, I understand, I know we're in church, but in the traditions that we have and all that's great and good, but when I'm sitting at home, I'm not standing up reading my word. So the Lord is not taking anything away. His power, his word is powerful here, whether I'm sitting or standing, especially as the minister asks us to stand or sit, I generally stand, but I'm going to be reading for a while, and as I roll in this, I want to forget and leave you standing, but... You could, you could just remain seated because I'm going to talk in between this a little bit. So, and the Lord swelled a sweet savor. Say sweet savor. Now this is when Noah and his family, the only eight survivors of the cataclysmic events, which then they might have been yelling about climate change, but it wasn't the climate change that the Lord was looking at around the world. It was the climate change of man's hearts. And it continues as they came off the boat. And the Lord said in his heart, I, and remember, when the Lord, when we're talking about the hands and feet and the, the heart of the Lord, remember, he doesn't have these things because God is what? Spirit. Spirit. Right? And so therefore, many times when we look at the Bible, we see, oh, something's on the right hand of God and all that. It's talking about his power. It's not talking about a physical manifestation of Jesus Christ being next to the old man. So you got the young man sitting next to his friend, his next to his father. No, it's talking about the power of God. My right hand man. You know, Reverend Parks has a right hand man, right? Reverend Fowler has a right hand man, 
right? I have a right-hand man, all right? Pastor actually is the one who has a right-hand man. You have a couple of them, and that's the ministry, these men and women who are working in the ministry with them. But the thing is, you don't see me just standing next to pastor as a, as a part of a figurehead. But pastor is the lead as I am following him. But the Lord said, I will not, will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. Listen to this and think about this. It says for man's sake that he will not curse the ground. And what he's talking about is as we look back in Genesis when Adam and Eve had sinned, and the curse came forth in Genesis 3 that the Lord said that he had cursed the ground and of it will come thistles and, and, and things that we don't like to step on little cockleberries and all that whenever I come home from work and I've been out in the backyard at my job working on some vehicles that were auctioning off and I come home and my family, my wife, my wife came home one day and stepped on one of those little cockleberries that be all in the clothes you know but but the Lord says that for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. And this is each and every one of us. Say, that is me. We are each individually selfish to a certain extent. But the rod of correction, which is the word of God, and with our parents, which is the word of that belt, will drive it far from us. But the Lord continues, neither will I again smite more everything living. So he's saying that he won't destroy everything that's living. See, the next time that he comes, there's going to be a death, but it's going to be a different type of death. Now, we have the physical death, of course, but this is going to be just before his, well, his return is going to be the rapture. But then afterwards, those who are still here are going to have to deal with the, the, the tribulationary period. And then it continues in 22. While the earth remaining, seed time and harvest, and cold and heat. Let me say that again. While the earth remaining, seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not listen. We should be shouting for this because this is a promise that we don't have to worry about the temperature going up one quarter of a percent every year. And by the time I get to 90 years old, that the temperature, instead of being 96, is 99 degrees. We don't have to worry about that. Reverend Parks, if you could please pray for this service, sir. Lord, we thank you for your word, for your word is living. Your word gives direction. Without your word, oh Lord God, we do not have vision. Speak through Reverend Munden this morning, O oh God, that we may apply this word to our lives. Let our ears be open and attentive, O oh God, that when we leave this place today, we leave change and not the same way we came. Save, deliver, heal according to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, praise the Lord. Thank you, sir. Um, now, if you could go with me to 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And we're going to be reading this whole chapter pretty much all the way from 1 through 17. And that's what we're going to be going through this morning. And uh, I definitely want to give thanks and honor that I definitely don't want to miss because in these perilous times and days, it makes me think that I'm glad that the Lord bound me up with a young lady that's so loving, that's so heartful, that I remember when we first got married, they had uh, Tupac Shakur. 
who they, who they just indicted or arraigned one of his murderers 25 years after the fact. But 25 years ago, me and my wife had been married about a year, and I remember she was crying when this man had died. And I came in, and it was ugly, because in the hardness of my heart, I laughed. I had come from work, I was like, you know, lunch break, and I was like, wonder where are you crying for? I was like, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. You know, that was what I was looking at. I was deceived by the things of the world, because that's how the world lives. But we need to have compassion and love and sensitivity to the things of God, even when people aren't living for God. And that's what we're here for. We're not here to be infilled with the spirit of God to go sit on a pew somewhere and let everybody know how righteous I am. But it's for me, as Pastor said, to be at work with that All Nation Sunday sitting on there when somebody walk in and I have an opportunity to tell them and show them um, what's going on in our church and invite them. That it gives me an opportunity, a door that is opening into man's heart. And I wouldn't have had that if I wouldn't have had a loving wife who loved me and cared for me and, and desired for me to have a portion of the kingdom. For me to have my own man, mansion. Even though there be no giving in marriage and I'm going to find it when we get to heaven now. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, 2 Timothy 3, 1. It reads, know this, oh, know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Now to be a blasphemer, now people always looking for, and you always hear on the radio and, and evangelism shows, blas what blasphemy is. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you a man or woman of God and you grew up in a church or were a member of the church and you were infilled with the, with the Lord's spirit and you know truth and you not minister truth and one day you just turn around and go into witchcraft and debauchery and, and lying and rebellion and talking against the things of God guess what? You're a blasphemer. That's it. I couldn't be a blasphemer before I knew Lord, before I knew Jesus and truth and spirit and the truth but you're a blasphemer. So we want to call all of those as they are. It's not what they are, but it's what they're acting like. And that's what we have to worry about. The Lord worries about not putting a label on a person because they live a type of lifestyle or because they're an adulterer, but it's the actions that they're doing. So they are an adulterer, but that isn't their name, but that's the title that they're wearing. Disobedient to parents. Unthankful. Man, aren't we, don't we see a lot of that now? Yeah. I thought in my day we had a lot of that, but today, yeah. man, and I think it goes beyond. I look at our church fathers and sisters, and sometimes when our young people get snippy or snipey with some of the elders, you know, give honor where honor is due and be respectful, regardless, even of wisdom, even out there in the street. I tell my children, I was like, respect those that are elders to you. You don't have to take their advice, because they may not be giving good advice, but you be honorable and respectful to give them the proper honor and respect. Without natural affection, in which I was talking about with myself, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, mind, heady high minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God or the word of God or the people of God or the church of God or the deeds of God. That's what the world hates. For those of you who came to the Lord early in your profession, 
You might have been in high school and people always ask you crazy questions that your parents didn't tell you how to answer. And you just said, because this is what my church does. They ask you sometimes just to be inquisitive. But sometimes they ask you to challenge you. And the enemy sends them. And if you're an adult and you're as I was, I was a mature, I mean, I had soldiers under me. I wasn't as Cornelius, I didn't have that many soldiers. But I had about 50, 60 soldiers. And when I was converted, it was just amazing the hardships that I had to deal with the men and women that was above me and below me that gave me a hard time when I had this change. That I didn't change as a person, but I changed in my scope and in the view of life. I have something I want to read to us when I'm talking about the climate change. In 2 Timothy 5, 7, it says, The world will have a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. This month, we have a synod which is going on with a specific church that is based some location in Italy. We're going to go ahead and not mention the name and the location to protect the guilty. But anyway, the leader of this great organization, which at one point in time I was a member of and followed, the leader that they have now is someone who came out and openly was questioned by some of his right-hand men, some of his cardinals. So what happened was, you have someone who, um, let me go and read the statement. The cardinals are like pretty much the colonels in this organization. And they have what they call, which is a dubium, a D-U-B-I-U-M. And, and what the word means is, is something means without doubt, doubt. Like when you think of the word indubious. Right? It's something meaning that there is no doubt. So every year these cardinals, before they have a big, their general conference, they get to ask this leader, this senior leader, questions. So this is regarding the assertion that widespread practice of blessing same-sex unions is in accordance with the revelation and the magisterium, meaning going back through their history, traditions, and all this. And so this council asked them, of, um, and they attested to the sacred scripture which the church teaches, listening to it devoutly, guarding it scrupulously, and explaining it faithfully in accordance with their divine commission and the help of the Holy Spirit, or so they, as they say. And they asked, they said, In the beginning, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God created he them, male and female, he created them, and blessed them to be fruitful. Then they go on to ask, um, a Paul, um, they, well they state, Apostle Paul teaches that denying sexual difference is the consequence of denying the creator. And this is in Romans 1, 24 through 32. So then these cardinals ask, this leader, to splendor. So this governmental right that might contradict the conviction and suggest that something is not marriage is recognized as marriage. So what he's saying is that, well, this isn't marriage. What I'm saying is, I just say that we need to honor them with a civil unity blessing. Therefore, now this is in this is own right. This is this leader's own right. Therefore, pastoral prudence.
students must adequately discern whether there are forms of blessing requested by one or more persons that do not convey a mistaken concept of marriage. For when a blessing is requested, it is expressing a plea to God for help. A blessing is expressing a plea to God for help. A supplication to live better, a trust in a father who can help us to live better. Wow. And then he continues on in paragraph F. He says, on the other hand, although there are situations that are not only acceptable from an objective point, an objective point of view. I'm glad he didn't say subjective. What means is you just come up with your point depending on where you're at. You come up with your own theology. But he did say objective. But the thing is, his object is he's definitely not reading the word of God. The same pastoral charity, we have to watch out for this word, because it's another minister out of Atlanta, I heard say that this week, as they held an unholy convocation, which is joined with the LGBT, hopefully I got that in the correct order, um, 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 it's, a, it's, a, it's a council that they're having in Atlanta, I think last week, we need to be in prayer for our state. But it says the same pastoral charity requires us not to simply treat as sinners other people whose guilt or responsibility may be mitigated by various factors, meaning that, well, if they had a situation in their life that caused them to sin, well, we have to overlook that and be charitable and loving. No, we don't overlook it. We point it out to one another. That's why the scripture says, confess your faults one to another. Within wisdom. But I'm going to go ahead and continue on. But do not be deceived. This right here is where we have many hundreds of thousands, millions of people around the world. Probably a billion. From what I saw, it was estimated there, there are about 1.2 billion people under this organization. Which many of, I know, very lovely and dear folks who want to do the right thing and live by God, by righteousness, by his word but they haven't been taught. Unfortunately, we have to be, well, no, it is fortunate, it's not unfortunate, that even for the church, that we have to be the bulwark. We have to be steady and firm in everything that we do. And don't change with the ways of this world like the ebbs and flows and the tides of water. Let us go continue in 2 Timothy 3, 5 through 7. And as we said, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive, silly women laden with lust, led away with divers lust, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Now, when Paul read this, and, and, and let me go ahead and preface this, Paul had already addressed the men that are supposed to be the ordained leaders of the church. But as we look down through the corners of time, we see that women were always a strong staple, a strong staple for the community, for the church. As we look at Ruth, as we look at Deborah, as we look at Esther, as we look at Mary and Martha, who were some of the first to go to Jesus' tomb. If it wasn't for all the ladies that are sitting in here praying for husbands, or husbands praying for their wives. 
But that's because men have abdicated his rightful position to be the leaders of their homes. To be deceived that the most important thing to do on Sunday morning is to wait for the 49ers to come on. From such things, turn away. That's what Paul said. Hallelujah. I have another reading, another example. Many years ago, probably no more than 40 or 50 years ago, pastor of the church was probably the most traveled, experienced, educated person in the building. In 1960, just under 8% versus today, 38% of the U.S. was college educated with a degree. Of that, many of them were men and women. As we look at Harvard, as we look at Brown University, as we look at Cornell, all of these schools were started to do what? They weren't universities that were started to teach just everybody. They were started to teach ministers. They were started to train men and women, men and women of God. A lot of times to start off with the men and then the women were included later on to go out and propagate the word of God throughout the world. Oxford University over in England. Cambridge University. All of these were started for implicit purpose. But now they have been turned upside down. And that's because of the change of climate that is around us. Man's heart. The enemy putting things out there, waving this little uh, uh, this little carrot and man taking a bite of it. The changing worldviews of what we are going through. As we continue in Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, 8 through 9, it reads, Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, Moses, so do these also. If you remember Moses, when you uh, read in uh, Genesis and Exodus, Moses threw down his staff, and every time Moses did something through the power of God, guess what the enemy did? Pharaoh's uh, uh, minions went ahead and imitated it. All the way up until a certain point. Once they get outside the palace, they, get, they couldn't do the same thing. You know, they might be able to turn a pool red, <laughs> but not a whole river. And your and, and your your yeti that's sitting right here under your chair. <laughs> what they going to turn that to blood? But the enemy always has a counterfeit. So we shouldn't be surprised that there's a counterfeit church. We shouldn't be surprised that there's a synod across the world that is bringing in ungodly, unholy things, creeping in. Because we have our heads stuck in the sand. When I say that, I mean Christians. Because we said, oh, it doesn't concern me until it's your organization. Hey, Reverend E, if you could throw this picture up. If you think it's not coming in your house, I got something for you. So right here, this right here is one block from my house. This is the Midway United Methodist Church. And as you see on the sign, it says on the right, it says, Midway Methodist Church, new name, same Savior. As you see on the left side, I didn't blacken that out. That's exactly how it looks on that side, just one block from my house on the old Sunbury Road. And that's because they've been working for the past 14 years, because about 20 years ago, the United Methodist Church allowed a man, I think it was, I forgot what state it was, I know it was up north, 
and they're a worldwide organization. And they allow one person where they say, well, this person lives an alternate lifestyle, but he's not acting on it. And therefore, since he's not acting on it, he can be thinking about it. He just can't act on it. We're going to allow him to become a minister. To where now you have married, well, not married, but civil union, same sex and all of this, that their church had a church split, but it's been in court for 14 years because they had to figure out how to delineate and break up all the monies, monies, all the properties, and all of that. So some broke off and became the Methodist Church, and some remained to be the United Methodist Church. If you think the enemy's not coming to a neighborhood near you, you are deceived. We have to be mindful that we pray for our leaders and that our leaders also. Because we are men and we're led by men here. But we need to be in prayer for our pastors, for our leaders, for the men that all went to Reverend Bernard, the whole board, the whole commission, to ensure that we continue to live the faithful life of righteousness. In, in State College, Pennsylvania, they have the United Church of Christ. They have this pastor, Miss Jess Cass. She says she's ready to preach her first message for abortion rights as a biblically ordained right. So in this interview, which is out of the Atlantic, the interviewer, Miss Amanda Green, reads or asks, so just to be clear, what do you think is the Christian theological argument for abortion? so-called Reverend Cass, she states, now, this woman says she was raised in a good denominational church when she was coming up, a, a Protestant church, and says she was fighting against abortion, and this is all her family focused on. This is why we have to train our young people. She said that's all her family focused on. They wore the shirts and all that, you know, endangered species, and had a picture of a baby, and, a, and a, all that's great, but we have to be for everything that is of God. And we get focused on things, we have to know why people, why? Why am I focused on that? Because when you can, either you're pro-life, or you're pro-death, there's no pro-choice. You're either or, pick one. And if you're in church, I pray that you're pro-life. But anyway, when people talk, so this is her answer, when people talk about our body is a temple of God and holy, I see that as I have the right to choices over my body and freedom to make the right to make the decisions that are right for me. Wow. As we hear in the statement, what's the thing that we notice? Me, my, I. Everything is about them instead of saying what the Lord states in the word of God. And then she says, in Genesis, it says that God breathed God's spirit into our lives. Christians would say the Holy Spirit. Now, she said, Christians say that is the Holy Spirit. I don't know why a pastor said that, but because of that, we're not puppets controlled by God. Why? Why? She's controlled, but it's definitely not by God. Because of the image of God in us, we have freedom and liberty. That's what really clearly, to me, is freedom. Be not deceived. Be not deceived. As we prepare to close out in Timothy, but thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, 
which come unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lysteria, Lystra. What persecution I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Paul is stating, you know me. And I let the God of the universe, who is Jesus Christ, lead me in all matters of my life. Why be fearful of what man can do or what environmental effect will destroy me? Because there are none. I love this quote because it comes from the Federalist Papers when the fathers of the U.S. Uh, Declaration of Independence and, and the Constitution, and they don't know who wrote this because these men wrote under pseudonyms because they did not want to be canceled by the cancel culture even then. So they wrote this Federalist Paper under the pseudon under pseudonyms, and this was one of the quotes, and they don't know whether it was by Alexander Hamilton or by James Madison, but if you don't realize when people say that this place wasn't founded, it was founded, unfortunately we are fallible men, but it was founded on basic principles of the Bible, because they were looking to have freedom of religion, that was one of the greatest. And even though these men, just as we are, are fallible, they did try to do the right thing. And in here, in this quote, this is a direct quote. This is straight out of the Federalist Papers. Ambition must be made to counteract ambition. The interest of man must be connected with the constitutional rights of the place. Meaning the, that what they're building. It may be a reflection of human nature that such devices should be necessary to control the abuses of government. That means the abuses of leadership at every level. Right? So how do we govern that? Well, that's what they're talking about. But what is government itself but the greatest of all reflections on human nature? Meaning what God created in the beginning, a man and his wife and their family. That's the first institution of government, right? If men were angels, no government would be necessary. If angels were to govern men, Neither external nor internal controls on government will be necessary. But men are not angels, and therefore we need the Constitution. If you could all please stand. In the end, as we continue reading, and I'm going to go ahead and skip 12 and 15. But with the word of God, Paul says that we have a defender of the faith for us. And we are his men and women. We're his hands. We're his feet. We're his heart. There's an existential threat, and it is the death of man by his own hands and sin of his own choice. In 2 Timothy, it reads, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That's you. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue through the things in which they have learned. And I'm going to skip down to 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. That's how we walk our life will we minister to others for reproof that means to strengthen us to give us the metal to be able to speak back in faith for correction when we speak something in error that we have the humility to be corrected as I have been by my pastor and by my wife and Reverend Parks and many of my brothers and sisters 
for instruction in righteousness for how to live a holy life that is acceptable that the man of God may be perfect thoroughly furnished unto all good works furnished meaning that you are the temple of God your body is the house of God and the Lord has given you everything that you need and if you haven't taken it utilize it that you need to apply it to your life I want to go back where King Solomon said in his treaties, there's nothing new under the sun. And as we go back to Genesis 8, as I read at the beginning, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. But the Lord did promise us, while the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. But the word tells us, to have faith because Jesus said in Revelation I come quickly and are you ready? I come quickly and I say are you ready? This altar is open for us to come up here and just speak to the Lord of what's going on in our life with those around us with our loved ones as I talked and gave some of the, the things that I put out this morning to warn our loved ones that are following people that appear to be sheep, but they're ravening wolves. They're trying to deceive us, trying to make it where we are in a fallen state as they are, as they want to be right, and they want to be righteous, but they aren't. But let us go before the Lord in prayer, calling on his holy name, that he is prepared to catch us away anytime and we need to be prepared. Lord Jesus, Heavenly Father, we call on your holy name. We turn towards you, Lord, hallelujah, to let you be the king of my salvation, Lord, that you are my creator, but I know I have to make you my Lord willingly, Lord Jesus. I give thanks, I give honor, Lord, and praise for your holy word, Lord Jesus, hallelujah, and for the opportunity, Lord, to hear the gospel, the truth, and your correction. We thank you, we praise you, hallelujah. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. 